Sports Podcast. Welcome back, Jordan. Hey, Bobby. How's it going? Hey, I, I got a quick follow-up from last week before we jump into this week's topic. Okay, let's I went, do it. I went on a road trip okay. last week, and I decided I was going to spend a little time with the Beatles. Oh, yeah? Because I felt like I was getting a lot of heat for... T- for allegedly who, saying that who I, are you taking the heat I from didn't me? like the Beatles. No, like my own family was like, I didn't know you hated the Beatles. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> Did you say you hated the I Beatles? I'm like, that's I not what I, I said. I feel, if, we were to, if I was to play this back in my memory, it was something like, I want to go out on a limb here and say, they're not my favorite or they're not as great as everybody says no, they are. I, is that, is I, that pretty close not, to what you said? Yeah, basically, I do think they're as great as everybody says they are. I just, they're not my favorite, but... No, I don't know that's exactly what you said, but... Well, we, we do have it on tape. <laughs> anyway, on this road trip with the fam... So you with, got canceled by your fam. <laughs> we, we decided to spend some time with the Beatles. Okay. And I enjoyed it. Uh, I, you know, I don't think my opinion has shifted. It's still not my first choice, but I was reminded of something and that I'd kind of forgotten or maybe didn't appreciate, but they had dozens of hits like dozens of number one they have a whole album called one that's just number one hits that's the problem with the beatles is they were like epically prolific and that's tons of of songs what we don't we you we didn't live through it so we don't you know but we have some perspective on it and keep going keep going but i got i've got a follow-up to your follow-up here when you're done well anyway we we enjoyed that we also um we also spent some time with uh, the beach boys and did you listen to any pet sounds we did we did and you know one of the things i like to do on these road trips with my kids my kids are getting older and now they just put headphones on yeah and then you don't i'll be i'll be up in the front seat or in the driver's seat talking to them about uh, this great band or whatever and i'll look back and they've all got headphones on they can't hear a word i'm saying you've been talking for like five (laughs) minutes and nobody's heard anything it's like this podcast (laughs) and your wife is texting and you're like but we, yeah, basically, <laughs> you just say it's like the podcast. <laughs> anyway, but we did have, we had some fun conversations about about music and the Beatles and the influence that they had, and um, you know the Beach Boys and other bands too. And we we had a uh, we had a good time driving down cool. the road. Cool. Okay, so my follow up on that. Uh, by the way, I hope you noticed that the Pet Sounds sound was. T- really different than the than the prior Beach Boys albums. For sure. And there were there were two albums. There was Beach Boys Today which was pretty uh, was which was in this uh, transitory revolutionary period and then Pet Sounds which you know was was different and you got to remember to put yourself back in 1965 because we didn't have all of the exposure to all kinds of music that we have today. So it's it's really interesting, and then to see the Beatles come in after that, and just they they had already been massively successful, and and were ultra competitive with the Beach Boys, and and in a lot way in a lot of ways more successful commercially, or more dominant in the public mind because you had the whole quote unquote British invasion going on, but then they just for what six seven eight years after that they just hit it. When did do you know when the Beatles broke up? Google probably knows. Well, it have to have been when John. It was before it was before John Lennon was killed. It was April tenth, nineteen seventy, um, when they broke up. And then when when was he shot? According to Beatles, and John Lennon, I think, was shot a few years later. Uh, 
1980. Right. So 10 years later. And he, he went on, you know, with... By a crazed fan. Had the solo career... Yeah, career with Yoko well, so Ono. Did, so did Paul McCartney. So did yeah. uh, well, Paul McCartney, Harrison, George still Harrison. out there singing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And uh, Ringo even did a little bit, right? Yeah. But uh, but they were they were incredible. And that that I mean the okay for if you're if you were born after 1970, which I think is most of our listeners, or if you're born you know if you're just a kid uh, at 1970 and you don't understand how significant the Beatles were. Um, th- this is this is hard to fathom because they were a huge influence. I'm, ra- I'm waving my arms right now. Like the influence of the Beatles was massive upon pop culture. And, and you, you, you've got to recognize that at, like Elvis. Okay, so we talked about this last week. Elvis was... Uh, all, he's like the second most commercially successful band slash artist, and then the Beatles are the first most successful of all time. And then you've got a bunch of other bands that you know kind of come close. But uh, Michael Jackson was pretty big. But I, I, I just I'm just struggling with this because it's hard to overstate. It's hard to be superfluous about how incredibly influential the Beatles were. Okay, and and how long their run was. It was a 10-year run, roughly, you know, eight, nine years, whatever. And then they go on to do their solo careers, and then their, their, um, their music persists. And like you said, they just had a hit after hit after hit after hit. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because last week I mentioned the Rolling Stone Top 500, right? And they, they, they love to do top whatever lists. And they did the top... 500 most influential albums in the early 2000s and then they revamped it again like because they're like hey this is a cool topic people on the internet love it in 2012 they did a the master list you know they they revamped it a little bit but in the top 50 there's like tons of beatles albums like they they did album after album and in the top 10 i think they had three or four i you know the in in the top 10 on Rolling Stone's list, maybe five were Beatles albums in the top 500 most influential albums. I can't remember specifically, and I'm not even going to go look it up and figure it out for the for the website page here. You guys can go find that on a link from last week's podcast, uh, where I had to go back to the Internet Archive, which is archive.org, because the Rolling Stone last September changed their top 500 list. I don't know if you saw this on the website, but they changed the top 500 list and they took Sgt. Pepper's, which was formerly number one, and they dropped it to 24. And they put Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, from they moved him from six to number one. Now, if you're not aware, Marvin Gaye is black and the Beatles are white, okay? And, and Sgt. Pepper's is most, it, it's not really even arguable. Sgt. Pepper's from 1966 or 67 it's like a nexus point in history, okay? And, right. and it was pr- it was preceded by and influenced by Pet Sounds and Brian Wilson, which is why Pet Sounds is rightfully number two. But but Sergeant Pepper's was heard by more people, no doubt, no doubt. Capitol Records did not promote Brian Wilson's uh, breakthrough album at all. They they didn't like it. They wanted him to go back to the surfer music. There was a lot, and he had a nervous breakdown. He was under all of this pressure, and 
Sergeant Peppers comes out and, you know, the Beatles could have literally packaged up a box of stink bugs and sold it to the public en masse. They were so, everybody loved them so much that they would have taken anything the Beatles had their name stamped on and, and just internalized it, loved it, made a part of their lives. But, you know, that's, and I think that's why Bobby comes off and he says, well, you know, they weren't that great, you know, and it's, look, listen to their music, you know, I think you can argue about whether it's musically great or not, but they had good stuff, they're good musicians, but the influence is what I'm talking about. Their influence was massive. And so then uh, uh, enter 2020, and they. this is how bad the cancel culture has gotten. It's like... It's a, it's a bizarro world. It's like an in it, it's it's this is this is the evidence. This is like the smoking gun. This is build World Trade Center seven, or the the magic bullet, or you know Amalekiah uh, poisoning Lehanti on the mountain. I mean, this is like we know <laughs> this is undeniable evidence here. Rolling Stone magazine took the Beatles. For, uh, <laughs> I can't even spit it out. They literally took a black guy, and I'm not saying anything against this black guy. Marvin Gaye's stuff, great. I don't know much about it. He he didn't. <laughs> his music was not as influential as the Beatles in the last 100 years, hands down, unequivocally. There is no argument that any sane student of history or person who lived through the last. 70 years and anybody that's alive in any of the baby boomers to make the argument that the, that, that his album was more influential than the Beatles, Sergeant Pepper is, is to defy reality. And I'm, I, I'm done ranting, but well, that, the, I could not, the, I, I, I would, my jaw was on the floor. The reality that we live in now is defying reality. Like, Right. It, it is what they, what the, I think the controllers want the reality to be, like you said, like uh, you were telling me earlier about a cartoon you saw. Mm-hmm. I don't think we got that in the podcast yet, but explain this cartoon about the guy standing in the rain or not. Yeah, I saw, saw a cartoon that I thought was a, a good illustration of our current situation. And I, I don't know when the cartoon was drawn. It could have been drawn years ago, but it's a, there's a television set and it's outside. It's set up outside. Never mind the logistics of it. Just, yeah. just go with just me Just go here. with it. <laughs> There's a television set. A it's, long it's, extension cord. It's outside, and on the screen of the TV is a storm, you know, a rainy storm with a lightning bolt. And the person watching the television screen has a rain slicker and an umbrella on. But remember, the TV and the person are outside, and the weather outside is a bright, beautiful, sunny, clear day. But the guy... Has but, to, but he is listening to what the TV is showing him. He's listening to the television telling him one thing, and th- this is something that we've talked a bit about both on and off the record. This disconnect between what our own eyes are telling us, what our own brains are telling us, and what the TV screens are telling us. And there's a large disconnect, specifically when it has to do with 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 the pandemic, but really. Uh, you could apply this to all kinds of things, <clears throat> uh, from finances to politics to current events. You know, the media the media tells us one thing about a mass shooting or a, a police shooting, 
and then reality is something completely different. We're being fed a, a story that doesn't match up with our with our own eyes and ears, and so we have to we have to close that gap or figure out why why there is a gap. I mean, yeah, you, you look at like the it's so it's been so obvious for now more than a year. We're in year two of two weeks to slow the spread. You know, going on a second year now. Never, I don't think I've witnessed anything like this in my lifetime. This this number of the the amount of utter just propaganda. The propaganda is insane. Yeah, that's. I think that was what a lot of the federal money went for. Like the states declared emergencies, then they got all this money. Then their health departments had a lot of marketing budget. And what do they start telling you? It's safe and effective. And then they, they go out and they want to recruit you to their Rona team. What, what's the Rona? Like, like in Utah here, there's some sort of a... Of a do you remember... This is, this is going to be sort of obscure, but Questar Gas, before it got purchased by Dominion, mm-hmm. had some nerdy, idiotic marketing dude that they called Thermwise. Yeah, I remember this. And you remember it because it was stupidity on wheels, right? You're like... <laughs> You're like, I, I don't know. I would not use Questar gas if it was not the only option, solely because of their terrible marketing. Right. This annoying guy. Right. You know, I can go back. I'm, I'm thinking about some. There was a, there was an ad campaign when I was a kid. Maybe you probably remember this too. It had, it, it was a play off of kind of Mad Max, which was really popular in the '80s. Which is funny, being here in Utah, you know, Mad Max was was taboo, was verboten. But but do you remember the Don't Waste Utah campaign? Yeah, the Don't Waste Utah campaign. And, and they yeah. had this guy. This, oh, we got to find a they picture had, of that. They had this guy drive a, I don't know if it was a Mustang or a Camaro He or looked something. like Mad Max. They had him all Leather styled jacket. like, yeah, like the road warrior. And he would go around and pick up, pick up litter off of the highways. And that was kind of fun. I mean, I loved it because yeah. I thought it was cool. And and yeah, so it was cool not to litter, right? And that's right. That's like a. Is that not self evident that, like, leave no trace? Well, it's cool not to litter. That message clearly didn't catch on. I was out. Uh, <laughs> I was out in the in the desert recently, and there's there's two things. There's three things that are always present in the desert. One of them is rocks. <laughs> One of them is sagebrush, and the other is electric blue Coors cans. Oh, yeah? These bright blue, or was it Bud Light? But these bright bright blue Bud Light cans everywhere. Somebody had a, like a 24-pack and was just leaving a trail along the, the side of the road. But, but yeah, it was, a, it was a fun campaign, and it, it has stuck with me. And I, I think even as a kid, I kind of had a, a tendency to... I've always been... I've always loved the outdoors, and... I consider myself a conservationist, not an environmentalist. There's a difference. But so that that campaign Explain the explain the difference. Well, the difference is I think that my philosophy when it comes to land policy is By the way, Don't Waste Utah was 1989 to 97. Yeah. It ran for 8 or 9 years. Nine different television commercials. So my idea my my philosophy is when it comes to land policy, like here in Utah, you know, Bears Ears and Escalante, these national monuments are always in the news. 
I I think if we're going to screw up land policy, let's screw it up. Let's err on the side of conservation. Because once something's gone, it's gone. You can't undevelop something and then put it back the way it was. So, and I know that's not a perfect philosophy, and, but I'd rather we overprotect the land and, and, uh, than, than not. But anyway, that, that ad campaign always kind of... So what's, what's environmentalism then versus... Well, that? I think environmentalists are just activists. They're just, they're just like every other activist. They're looking for power and authority and influence and money. So you would be in favor of keeping Bears Ears locked up? Or is there a responsible way for people to get access to the resources there? Well, you know, Bears Ears is an interesting case because a lot of what is now part of Bears Ears was already protected. There, there was already protections in place for a lot of the most, um, let's call them sensitive areas. That's down by natural bridges, right? Yeah, natural, na- natural bridges was already a national monument. Why do they call blanding blanding? Just does that have anything to do with the word bland? I, I don't know. I've never <laughs> looked at. It. My guess is it's named after some Mormon pioneer, but okay, I, I don't know. I've never looked into that one. What happened with with Bears Ears is that there was there was negotiations in place between interested parties. So the state of Utah, the federal government, uh, native, you know, uh, uh, Indian groups, uh, environmental groups, conservation groups, all of these interested parties were negotiating. And then right before he left office, Obama just said, it's all a national monument. He drew the largest boundaries possible. So he undid years of negotiation, which was lame, because why negotiate now ever in good faith? And then, of course, Trump came in and just undid that just as a political football, right? As a, mm-hmm. Just to spite Obama, which that's politics, right? We do things to, to spite each other for partisan wins. Now, I don't even know if the boundaries of the, of the National Monument ever actually changed. You know, Trump put that forward, but I know there was and I, can, I guess we could look this up, but anyway. Don't waste Utah. The, should, should Bears Ears be protected? Yeah, I would, rather we, I would rather we make mistakes on the side of protections because protections can always be scaled back. But again, once it's gone, it's gone. And so, yeah, I do think that local interests should have a voice at the table. So did uh, Obama basically... Uh, uh, put his thumb on or or override state interest isn't that kind of the issue with bears ears is that the state wanted to be able to dole out some oil leases on their land and obama just drew too wide of a circle basically and it's not just oil leases i mean there's so then it became a it, it, then it became like an either or college football rivalry like instead of being able to have certain interests certain interests um met like the oil guys it was just all off the table and then when trump comes back in did he put it all back on the table or because uh, he didn't he, you know that's he, that's one where it gets misinterpreted and, and you know patagonia the clothing company yeah had an ad campaign called the president stole your land and of course the president steal any land the land is federal. he just removed the federal monument he just shrunk it. He didn't even remove the monument. His proposal was to shrink it back to one of the other proposals. Again, there was many proposals on the table that they were negotiating. So he didn't eliminate it. He just 
shrunk it. And and a lot of the land, a lot of the land down there is is not necessarily land that needs to be protected. It's it's not by its nature. <laughs> you know, it's it's going to be left alone. The irony in all of this is that the federal government is an awful steward of land. I mean, they overgraze with cattle. They 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 dole out plenty of oil and gas and drilling leases. Yeah. I mean, I mean they're let's basically not pretend, like a they're not, basically like an auto mechanic that only has a hammer. Let's not pretend that that somehow the Department of Interior has a long a long history of quality, sensible. Okay, well, I got you off track. Stewardship. I got you off track of the uh, from the "Don't Waste Utah" campaign. Anyway, that was just another bit of <laughs> propaganda. But the propaganda you brought, you brought up the Rona challenge. Okay, that's yeah. I c- couldn't remember what it was, but so now we, what we've got is federal money cha- running around chasing a an illusion, and and getting into the hands of. Uh, what would we call these people? Blithering idiots. That's statists. Yeah, people people that are degenerate. Their their only job, their their life's uh, energy is spent uh, using your tax dollars against you. Okay, so it's gotten into the hands of these types of people, and then they've they're the true believers, and they have been able to spend inordinate amounts of time and money and effort producing propaganda to destroy the public mind and they come up with things like a rona challenge so they've shortened it from corona they're trying to make they're trying to make statism cool statism I, and and this is a word you don't see very often so let me just define it because i think uh well it's probably on the internet somewhere but the idea of a statist or a, or statism is that you worship the state you believe in the, the powers of the state and whether you're Republican or Democrat, if you like the idea of government taking action on something, you have to recognize you're, you're behaving in a statist manner. The idea is you can't solve the problem. You need the government to do it. You want the government to take care of you, to manage things. And I'm going to just be point blank honest with all of you folks out there. That is the problem. Statism is the problem. The idea that we need government to do any of this crap is the problem. And the, the oligarchy, the people that control the government, the people that profit off of it, go back to chapter eight, episode eight, a hidden picture. We're going to reference that forever of, of the Mind Virus podcast. By the way, find us on the web at mindvirus.show. Uh, we've got some nice sources, good sources, corrections. You know, you can find all of our podcasts there. But Episode eight was really good because we go. We spent like three hours flushing out the last fifty years of the secret combinations activities of the oligarchy's activities and how they're they're like a massive octopus, a spider's web over our entire society, and it digs it deep into their their methods and their um, operations, their financial activities, uh, military activities, whatever. All the time, ty- all the types of pump and dump schemes that they've been involved in and make no mistake the coronavirus episode is a huge pump and dump and right now that they're in the pump mode and they're getting everybody on board and um this oligarchy unmistakably no doubt about it owns the government and it's not necessarily bill gates okay this it's not necessarily jeff bezos or mark zuckerberg 
Jack Dorsey that we're talking about as far as oligarchy. These would be low-level operatives, low-level new wealth. This is the this is the new money. We're we're talking about the obfuscated, hidden influence that has had a hundred and twenty years to hide that the uh, the the central banking families, the old the old oligarchy, the robber barons, the people that finance the robber barons, that they set up to slowly, gradually tighten their grip upon America and upon the world. They are the ones that if, if, you, if you have bought into the lie mentally that we need the government to do all this stuff for us, then you, are, you have eaten their Cheerios, drunk their Kool-Aid. You, are, you, are, you have been, had your brain scrubbed and washed and meticulously managed by their, by their mind control programs, which uh, I would call the public school system. So... In the news, there's just no there's just no discussion in our public in, in the public right now about the idea that well maybe the government should not be doing this stuff that that, that our rights don't come from the government. That, I mean, when I say the public, I mean like the corporate media. That that's the 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 ground that we need to take back as rational human beings is the as the idea that the Second Amendment does not stem from the paper. And from the Bill of Rights, it is a self-evident right, it, and it, it was written down because it's a right that is historically abused by tyrants, okay? That's why the Second Amendment is on paper, is because the founders knew historically tyrants will try to take away and restrict individuals from defending themselves and it's not about hunting and it's not about defending yourself from like a garden variety criminals this is about defending yourself from the state from the tyrannical state and that right to do so that self-evident obvious right to be able to defend yourself and your family against tyranny comes from god it's just it's just a natural right and so does the right to assembly it's amazing right now we're seeing Lots of stories in the news about, especially in like Canada. Canada seems to be struggling right now with this. Are we are we gonna are we gonna succumb to this tyranny or not? Idea because you're seeing a lot of videos come out of Canada where uh, people in restaurants are shouting down the health inspectors and they're just telling them to get out. Uh, there was a, there was a great one of a Polish pastor on. Um, it wasn't Easter. It was a uh, the Passover. It was the Passover Sunday. And he just screamed at these guys, called them Nazis, Gestapos, and he wouldn't even let them get a word in edgewise. He just shouts them out of the, out of the building, and they left. And the, the right to assembly, we, this is going on in uh, Huntington Beach and in Minnesota right now. There's a bunch of rioting going on, but in Huntington Beach, there was a White Lives Matter rally that got uh, essentially uh, attacked by a, a bunch of counter-protesters, is the way the news puts it. And then the police came in and declared it an unlawful assembly. There is no such thing as an immoral assembly. There is no such thing as a, an immoral uh, gathering of human beings. There, there's a technically, there, technically it's unlawful, but let me remind you of the text of the First Amendment. It starts off and it says, Congress shall make no law. <laughs> Therefore, there cannot be a, an unlawful assembly in the land governed by the Constitution of the United States because there cannot be a law against it. So 
So a lot, there is no, that, that's a contradiction of terms. If you ever hear anyone come and tell you, you're, you're, you're engaging in an unlawful assembly, remind them that the text says, Congress shall make no law. Well, it doesn't mean no law. It means no, they can make some laws. And they can, they can do, when it comes to the Second Amendment, they can do some, okay, infri- some infringing. <laughs> they can do some infringing. Shall not be infringed means that they can do some infringement, right? Shall not means some. And it's an old document. They didn't know about AR-15s back then. What's crazy about the founding of this country, Bobby, and I know you know this, and you're smirking at me, <laughs> but, and I know most of our listeners know this, Lexington and Concord, Paul Revere, the Minutemen, the episode that you all learned about when you were kids that none of your kids learn about in the schools anymore, okay? But the shot heard round the world, the thing that started the American Revolution in earnest was that the British were marching to Lexington and Concord to take away the militia's guns, and not just their guns, but their cannons, their heavy artillery, okay? They thought they had the right to keep and bear military-style arms. And if Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, John Hancock, Sam Adams, Patrick Henry, whoever, name any one of those guys, I defy you to find any single one of them that would have said, well, we have to restrict nuclear weapons. Because, see, nuclear weapons, if they fall into the hands of the wrong person, I mean, it's absurd that you would try to make pass a law against nuclear weapons. That's like the, the holy grail of weapons. You know, if, if somebody gets a nuclear weapon, then <laughs> you have to treat them nice. That's, right. that's what you see in the public stage amongst nations right now is... We don't want Iran to get nuclear weapons because then we'll have to stop encircling them with our armies and putting sanctions on them. We'll have to start giving them all the money we give to North Korea. <laughs> well, I think Joe Biden to is, placate giving, them. is giving Iran money. I know. That's what they've been doing because they don't want... They're going to use that money to develop nukes. It doesn't matter. The nukes don't <laughs> matter. The point is that... <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so I try to say... Anyway, well, I'll get off my soapbox here. This isn't even what we wanted to talk about today, is it? No, but that's usually par for the course. There's okay. another. That's an, that's a golf analogy. Okay. Par for the course means you, you score par for the course, meaning oh, okay. A- average. Okay. Well, can you, you define that without using the words you, in the definition? Because usually, y- yes. As a, I know your your specialty is pronunciation. <laughs> par for the course. What with, is par? Without, w- <laughs> Par is the is the number of strokes that each golf hole has designated. So if a course if a hole is par four, that means you have four strokes. It's expected that you would hold you get the ball in the hole in four shots. Yeah. So if you're not a golfer, that that means is you're going to take four whacks at the ball. Right. And if you get it in three, that's called a birdie. If you get it in five, that's called a bogey. And I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of <laughs> those terms. Do, are you a golfer? Do you like golf? I watch golf. Okay. I don't. I used to play golf, and it's it kind of like terrible. watching fishing, isn't it? I'm with I'm with Tom, uh, uh, I'm with uh, Mark Twain, who said that that golf is a perfectly good way to ruin a walk in the park. <laughs> but I, I do like watching it, and we I watched the Masters over the weekend. I've, I've done a little golf, and I it is frustrating. It, I agree with Mark Twain too. Like if you're going to take a walk. <laughs> why 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 create such anxiety <laughs> right well by the way today is monday uh, april 12th and if you're listening to this and you haven't joined the state of utah rona challenge 
it's too late because today at midnight is the last chance you have to join the Utah Rona challenge. I bet they'll extend the deadline. I clicked on the link to join it and all it does is ask for my email. It doesn't tell me what I'm joining, but I could become a Rona alert ambassador. Again, I don't know what any of that entails and I, I don't know what it what what, what it means usefulness is you, you, is you identify yourself to them as a protege statist well it makes me wonder a propaganda spreader it kind of makes me want to join because i'm wondering if people who do join get instructions via email like hey get on social media and make sure to encourage people to wear their masks make sure to remind people that even though they've had triple vaccinations and they still need to wear a mask and a face mask and gloves and a gown and hide in their homes i'd we, be we curious need to... but i don't want to give them my email or any of my emails see the here's the thing today today what we wanted to talk about was internet shutdown i'm just going to cut to the chase and be honest with our customers here you are the customers of the mind. No, so far we haven't monetized this podcast, but you, you, the listeners, uh, I got to be honest with you here. Serious topic. Today we want to talk about internet shutdown. Why? Because we think it's coming. And well, we, we need don't. To... It's not just that we think it's coming. Okay, because they said they're it's coming. telling us it's coming. Okay, good the point. same people that told us coronavirus pandemic is coming told us that in order to shut to shut off disinformation, misinformation, conspiracy theories, and lies in their tabletop exercise in October 2019 simulated internet shutdown because there was so much misinformation about the virus. Right. Yeah. And here's the thing. We have to cause that shutdown by spreading the truth. And it so this sounds kind of counterintuitive, like, like you're going, oh, no, Jordan, we can't cause the shutdown of the internet but you're very is, survival is that what you think our <laughs> listeners sound like if you're listen if you're listeners out there and you don't sound like that please comment or like or subscribe or whatever on your various podcast listening uh mechanisms but uh your your gizmos that you're using to listen to this podcast your gizmos that will in an internet shutdown this be is what completely they sound like. useless Oh, Jordan, that would never happen. There, do you remember Glenn Beck? Did you ever listen to Glenn Beck way back in the day? Back in the day, yeah. I stopped after a while. It was kind of like, okay, Well, come I on, stopped come on. When, he, when he endorsed Rick Santorum over Ron Paul and was basically talking about how stupid Ron Paul was. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This yeah. Is, what is going on that, here? That was a breaking point for me. And also, the 9-11 thing was a breaking point because right around the time, I was listening, you know, like 2008, 7, 8. Now, 8, 9. It was right during the the housing crisis and I was uh, waking up to the 9-11 stuff and that, and that was when the internet used to be really the most free like uh, between the period of 2005 and 2017 guys we had this massive explosion of freedom and and information on the internet and you could find all kinds of truth and error right R right there on the internet and um, so I did a lot of investigation on conspiracy or you know whatever the the corruption in the world and came to the conclusion that World Trade Center 7 should not have fallen to the ground under the circumstances that uh, the government said it did. And Glenn Beck was unwilling to touch that. That was like an electric fence. And of course, he was on CNN, I think, at the time. Or, or It was either he had he had he, he was, had some he reasons. Went, he went from CNN over to Fox. Now he's independent, I believe. Yeah. But anyway, he, he started his own for whatever reason. 
network. He, he wasn't willing to go very far, and he couldn't. Like Tucker Carlson, if he was to say that vaccines are not safe and effective, if, I mean, he's kind of questioning that, but if he were to say that in general, like that the MMR vaccine or the, the polio vaccine or something was perhaps not necessary, that guy would be off of Fox News faster than you can spit. But Glenn Beck, the reason I brought him up is because he used to do his wife's voice that way. He would be like, sparkly diamonds. <laughs> Get, oh, Glenn, you've brought me some sparkly diamonds. <laughs> so, so if that's you, the listeners, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it, Jim Gaffigan does that too with it in his comedy bit. He has this audience member, generic audience member oh, yeah. voice. He looks like a Mormon. Hey, what's wrong with looking like a Mormon? <laughs> but anyway, the internet's going to be shut down. And, and it might not be shut. Okay, so to say it's going to be shut down, you, you're thinking, oh, okay, all of a sudden nothing works. It may not be the case. I mean, think of the emergency broadcast system. The, the laws are, uh, and this is a good rabbit hole to go down. By the way, the entirety of the X-Files uh, franchise story is based on the fact the, uh, it's based on a very plausible premise, and that is one that we have been living through the last year, and it is that government agencies via emergency action can shut down, change, take control of society in ways we had never expected. Now, in X-Files, the, the whole idea was that FEMA, Federal Emergency Management, would come in and under the guise of uh, either a natural or you know, some sort of a health crisis, they would take control. We're talking about martial law, military-style control of the nation, and then they would manage, uh, spoiler alert, ex you know, we're giving spoiler alerts out, but this is 20 years old stuff. So the idea was that the aliens were going to colonize the Earth and that there was this group of... Um, well-meaning oligarchy humans that were going to try and help manage that so that they at least some of them could survive in some way and the aliens were going to there were different factions of aliens and some of them were going to use a virus and others were going to come down and uh, they were going to make us slaves some of them were going to some of them were going to turn us into aliens you know use us as as um uh, food for the aliens, like in the movie Alien, where the aliens gestate inside of you. You know, there's all there's all kinds of um, interesting alien stuff. And, and X-Files was always great. By the way, to the movie people out there, since you're a film person, this is a good tangent. Hasn't CGI, computer imagery, sort of destroyed storytelling in a way? Because, like, X-Files was, uh, was a great mystery for many years. And then they came in towards the end and they started to show the aliens. And when they started to show the aliens, then it was like, oh, okay, we've seen the aliens. We know, you know, and, and, and it lost its luster. And then, and then Fox, Mulder, David Duchovny, he's like, I'm out of here. And then they get the other guys. And then Scully's like, I'm out of here. And so they get some other girl and it lasts for another year. And they had to wrap it up and bring, the, bring Mulder and Scully back. And, you know, they had, to re they had to kind of resurrect the story a little bit. And then they did a movie with with Mulder and Scully. But, but the point is, I think it lost its magic when they started to show you because your imagination is that much better than CGI. And now, now in the modern, or in the more modern era here, uh, all of the, like there's not very many really great stories. 
I think the I think the Avengers guys, the Marvel guys, did a really good job. Uh, if you guys know me, I, I've got some background on that one, but uh, they they did a good job merging the CGI with the story. But uh, one of the most epic failures was Man of Steel, where uh, you got the Superman story retold, and they just had these massive fights between. What's his name? General Zod or Zorg or I can't remember the bad guy's name. It starts with a Z. But uh, he and and Superman, they had a great like half of the movie was a great origin story. It's Harry Cahill is that his name? The guy that played Oh Henry Cavill. Henry, Henry Cavill. Cavill. And then his brother is James Cavill. Okay, but the guy that plays Superman is Henry. Henry. Yeah, he. He's a good Superman. I mean, he's buff and he's a good looking yeah. guy, right? But he, um, they had this origin story, you know, that was pretty good. And then that, then they, they get to the middle of the movie and then they're like, okay, and now we're just going to do epic CGI destruction of everything. And you're like, okay, well, what about the story? And, and <laughs> the story is the thing that matters. Anyway, there's my tangent. I, do, do you agree or disagree? No, I, Mr. I agree. Mr. I- Flood. I agree because I mean, you look at we when movies didn't have great CGI, they still told great stories. <clears throat> the original nineteen seventy seven Star Wars is a good example. the The CG in that is pretty pretty homemade, but none of us care because it's a great story. Yeah, and it's actually it's actually really handmade CG as well. Like I mean, they did a they, great job in the they, effects. Painted, they painted those lightsabers onto every frame of film. Yeah, which is uh, not pretty amazing. Not done anymore. Yeah, don't even shoot on film anymore. But, but where are we? Well, the internet's going to get shut down. Well, and the reason that let's let's back it up. Let's back it up. Let's go to October 2019. In October 2019, the WEF, the World Economic Forum. There's our our friends again. Supervillain Central, funded by the Bill Gates Foundation, had a tabletop simulation that they called Event 201, in which they uh, wargamed a pandemic response. Now they have a they have a, they have a statement on their website that says, "We didn't predict the COVID nineteen pandemic." Okay, don't we were just tabletopping. We didn't predict this. This wasn't. They use the word predict. Yeah. Okay. They didn't. Maybe it wasn't a prediction, but it was a rehearsal because they go through certain reactions or certain responses. See, I think they should say to the pandemic, <laughs> to a pandemic. We we di- we didn't cause this. <laughs> That's what you think. Right. They're trying to say we we were not responsible for for this. Well, in and and part of that, and so part of their response to a pandemic pandemic air is, quotes air quotes is to to combat misinformation about the virus is to shut down the internet or parts of the internet now there's other responses too and you can go through and look that up we'll link to the event 201 highlight reel that's their words and in that highlight reel they create fake okay, they made up the highlight reel yeah they they oh did i that. thought when you were telling me about that earlier i thought this was somebody else who had cobbled no, no, together they, all the most nefarious statements no they, but they did it for us they did it for us it's really strange this is this bears some conversation because spoiler alert 
there is a simulation for a cyber attack that took place last year. And there's another one coming up. And they've scheduled another one coming up. So it's that's called, why we're... It's called Cyber Polygon. And Cyber Polygon 2021. But yeah, they, they created this highlight reel. Now it's interesting to think, number one, okay, I can sort of understand why they would have these tabletop simulations. It can it can make sense. Let's get let's get the interested parties together and let's plan how will we respond to some sort of a disaster. What I don't understand, and I don't know, and I don't that doesn't mean I agree with their conclusions or their responses. What I don't fully understand is why would they record this and then publish it on YouTube. They have the whole thing out there. It's very dry, but there's little nuggets in there. And then they have the highlight reel. Why? Why they know they know that people are going to look at that, especially given that two months later there was a novel coronavirus and that all of these things that they war gamed come to pass in some form or another. They're gonna know that people are gonna find that and say, This was this was planned. This was they knew this was coming. They created this. So why do these things and why publicize them? Right. See, Bobby's being rhetorical here. And of course, the reason for publicizing them is. Uh, you tell me. Oh, okay. I, I, you're, I'm you're just, being rep- I, have, I have my theories, but I'm, I'm wondering <clears throat> if we're on the same wavelength. Well, the reason that they're. Uh, publicizing all this stuff is because they're not <laughs> they're telling you what they're going to do i mean the reason is and and it, okay so i caught myself off guard there <laughs> it's very clear it's because of statism this is it, this is not there's a, there's a term out there that some people in the conspiracy research field use and and then it ends up in mainstream and it's predictive programming mm-hmm. right and what what does that specifically mean i think it means that they predict something, but they're pro- programming you to expect it. To accept, to accept and expect it. it. To expect it and accept it. So if you if you have children, there's a there's a really good technique to working with kids to to use this. It's it's a, uh, the technique is to use the same type of idea. And so, like for example, if you want them to not fight you as hard on a on a particular issue then you've got to make sure it's not a surprise like hey we're at we're at our friend's house and it's almost time to leave and so you tell the kids hey five more minutes we're going to leave in five minutes that way when it's time to leave they know it's time to leave and mm-hmm. so they do, they don't sit there and go oh no, no, no we can't leave you know they, they they know it's coming and they've they've prepared themselves for it mentally well one of the ways <laughs> that this happened over the last say 10 years is that there's been a rise in pandemic films pandemic yeah. situations, virus films. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, uh, didn't Netflix have a, don't they have a series called Outbreak or Pandemic or something that came out right in, in the midst of all yeah, of this? Yeah, I, I don't know about all the series that were, were produced, but there were 28 movies since 1995 produced about pandemics. And the first one, I think, was 12 Monkeys mm-hmm. with uh, Brad Pitt and Bruce Willis. But yeah, 28 different movies that I found. I'm sure there's more, but significant ones. And that would just be an example of... And there were more and more and more of them. That there was like a momentum building. Right. 
that that would be an example of predictive programming if you buy into such things, which right, so I, I think there's some validity to to this this idea. I don't. Sure. I don't. I think predictive programming, um, and what we talked about with the kids here is uh, just the tip of the iceberg. And so, my opinion on it, and the reason why they're doing it, is it's a hundred times worse than predictive programming. It is massive brainwashing mm -hmm. uh, on an epic worldwide level. So. What what they're doing is they it's pure it's pure statism. It is a, it is a they they have launched, and, and this is why we call our show the Mind Virus Show because they we, we want to launch a counter virus, but they have they this episode with um, coronavirus demonstrates the results of decades of planting mind viruses in the public mind and the. The mind virus, the main mother mothership virus. Okay, if the, if the virus were a space alien and it had a mothership, the mothership virus here is statism, and the, that is the idea that our rights come from the state, that our that our our very lives are a privilege granted to us by the by the the eternal state. I want to say the godless state, but they believe themselves to be gods. And they worship uh, the evil gods. That, that it would surprise many. I don't know if it'll surprise our listeners, but it'll surprise a lot of our non-listeners to recognize that the the elite, the oligarchy, are very spiritual. They have a they have a code of ethics. They have uh, a certain type of morality. I'm not saying it's anything like what you would think morality is, but they have a certain rationale, and they believe in spiritualism, spirits. They believe in uh, higher powers and, and uh, metaphysical energy and stuff like that. And they're attempting to create um, their own eternal life through transhumanism, through technology and biotechnology. And so they, they intend to live forever uh, if they can figure it out. So they... And well, go ahead. Finish, I was just saying, say, the, 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 the virus that's been planted is that the state that our rights and our privileges come from the state and that somehow we, uh, we are, we are sort of the humanity is sort of a living organism or a living uh, herd that they, that they manage and that they, uh, that they protect and, and take care of us. The superhero, the superhero movie genre in general is a manifestation of this mind virus because what, it, what you always have are these heroes and then you have everybody else, and usually the the montages go something like this: Oh, there's a there's a massive threat, you know, it's a pandemic, whatever. And then some guy comes in in his underpants, red underpants and blue tights or something, and he says, "I'll save you." And then and we're all supposed to fawn over fawn over the Superman rather than uh, a recognition that humanity in and of itself is special, and that each one of those people has a responsibility. And and usually you just see people running for their lives and behaving badly. And that's not how how uh, a crisis is actually going to go down. If you watch, for example, War of the Worlds, uh, Tom Cruise, 15 years ago, or uh, what are some of these other really... Uh, at, this, at the opening montages of I Am Legend with uh, Will Smith, uh, World War Z, Brad Pitt, they're... The the it's essentially just total chaos, pandemonium, run for your lives, and and the I don't think that that's actually how it will play out everywhere in the world. In some of the bigger cities, I think people are programmed uh, 
so well that they will panic on cue as as they're being programmed to do. But in the West and in a lot of Christian areas, you're going to have you're going to have a lot of people scratching their heads, going, "No," and and then they're going to help each other. You know that it's it is. There's there's this competing idea that it's human nature to destroy and to just behave wildly like the beast, the animals of the field. But there's also a competing part of us, and that is that, and that is the point of our existence here. It's the probationary state. The probationary state is to see if you're going to ally yourself with goodness and light, or darkness and falsehood, and evil. And so you, you, you'll see that play out in the, in the coming scenes as, a, as the world devolves under the hand of this oligarchy, this hubristic, prideful uh, oligarchy. They, uh, what they're trying to do, I've heard described by a, a guy named uh, Matt Bracken, who wrote a book, uh, Enemies Foreign and Domestic. He's, you know, I haven't really listened to a ton of his stuff, but I want to get him, give him credit for this statement because he says, what the, what the elites are trying to do is like riding a tiger. You know, when they're talking about world domination and the, t- the level of uh, intricate technological control via, in, in a way that you accept it, meaning, because we would openly rebel against uh, an overt military style takeover. And so therefore they have to do it carefully through the, through the health departments and through the corporations. And you've, you force this guy to force that guy to force that guy. You get the, the kids to... The reason the kids are being masked up is to teach the parents, right? The reason the, the K through 12 education system is so under control is so that they can affect you, the, the parents, you people that come home and your kid's going to want to wear a mask. Why? Because his favorite teacher is, is a liberal statist, uh, a neoliberal statist. Not, not, they're not liberals. They, they, they stole the word liberal, okay? Right. But, but so that, that's what's going on here is they're, they're going to try to ride this tiger of world government. And uh, so getting back to, back to Matt Bracken's statement, he says, like, you know, trying to control the world is like trying to ride a tiger. You can talk to Bobby about riding the tiger. You can explain how you're going to do it. You can make your plans. You can even try to put a saddle on the tiger. But the minute you get on the tiger, the tiger is not going to be happy and it's going to try to eat I, you. I think there's... He's right, except that I think nowadays, I think that the tiger has been subdued. It's been subdued with a bad diet and drugs and brainwashing and conditioning. So now you're, we're seeing... We're seeing the tiger not be ridden, but actually just be dragged, well, well, dragged it, out of, uh, dragged out of the wild and into a cage. Right. It's not. It's not a perfect. It's not a perfect analogy. Sure. But like, think of the tiger of the Midwest. Okay. The Midwest is is been more resistant to this than to say one of your favorite places, New Zealand, or uh, an analogous location, the United Kingdom. Those guys seem to have. They're not talking about. I, I know there's been some uprisings there. I know there's been. I don't know that there has been much well, they in haven't New been Zealand. Very, they haven't been very, yeah, but maybe some people UK, in their basements on the internet, which yeah. again is why the internet's going to be limited, right? Because the reason it will be limited, and this is what we we're talking about earlier, is the reason it's going to be limited is because you people will fight back and you will stop listening. I mean, if if we if Facebook was a piece of paper, we would we should all go out and burn it. We need to publicly shame Facebook and Facebook users and Twitter. <laughs> your favorite place hey i it's not my favorite we we i know you're i know you're over there fighting uh uh clandestine <laughs> it's, 
but it's, it is. But the point is, we need to we need to make those into such obvious echo chambers that the only people left is the twenty percent of the country that really believes the state, and all of their CIA troll farm people, all of the fake accounts, so that they recognize, you know what, we're not having a great effect because we're just talking to ourselves anymore, and the public is laughing at us. That's when they'll shut down the internet. Well. When they've when they've sufficiently damaged those types yeah, of I think, out, outlets, I think social media. I think social media is just about used up its purpose, which was to to destroy America. Well, yeah, but but in the details, it was to pit us against each other. Well, first of all, it was to harvest all of our data. Well, I'll tell you what the main purpose of social figure, media. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. But then to pit us against one one another to also create this idea that that fringe ideas are prevalent yeah. or that every, you know, everybody's taken the vaccine. And what, what do we have now from our, from our, you see this from both national and local governments and news, like our government, this, uh, this same Twitter account that's fishing for Rona ambassadors, Rona alert ambassadors. Every day they say we, today we vaccinated another 20,000 people. That's a total of 1 million vaccinations. Why are they telling us this? Why are they telling us these numbers? What they don't tell us are the numbers of recoveries. They don't tell us that hospital hospitalizations have dropped or that cases have dropped like 90% since January. Or that it's 99.99% survival yeah, or for the recovery under the rate. age of 65. But so why do they... The, during, before the vaccine was available, every day it was cases, hospitalizations, deaths. And now that the vaccine's available... It's number of vaccines. Why? Why are the why are they telling us this? Why are they selling this so hard? Well, the I just want to interject, and I'm sure you're going to answer that question because you do love to speak rhetorically. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. the The main weapon, though, the main mechanism by which they accomplish all that on social media is virtue signaling. Right. And I got to point that out because virtue signaling has destroyed us. And let me make a comparison to the Bible here. That was the hallmark of the pharisaical culture was virtue signaling. And we have it right now. We, would we not crucify Christ if he came to us right now? He would be so unpalatable. He probably wouldn't be vaccinated. He would be a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. But yeah, he'd probably the, be outspoken. The virtue signaling, and, and that's, it's ramped up during the COVID era, but it's been around long, long before that. And it's ramping up. I mean, you have major league baseball moves its all-star game from Atlanta to Denver because of Georgia's voting law, which supposedly, you know, according to MLB reduces people's access to the ballot, which is false, but they move that. <clears throat> Never mind, though, that they are going to still play 81 games in Atlanta including one I watched last night on ESPN, who's also been all in on this, on this garbage. So if they were serious, if they were principled, conscientious objectors to this voting law, they would have canceled every Major League Baseball game in Atlanta, which is 81 games, because that's the home of the Atlanta Braves, which I can't believe they still have that name. <laughs> Our own Bountiful Braves here in Utah changed their name. Oh, really? Brave is offensive, apparently. Well, apparently they were cowards. Which is another so they form of virtue name. signaling. Right. They're cowardly. The cowardly lions. Yeah. The cowardly 
Just call bucks. it the bountiful yellowbacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not brave enough to keep the name brave. Event 201 talked about shutting down the internet to combat misinformation. Well, that happened. <clears throat> Combating misinformation happened immediately with the lockdowns and the, and the closures and things last March. You had immediately people started getting censored, like Bakersfield doctors. Uh, and and others and that continues that continues there was during the summer there was a huge purge on reddit and youtube of uh conservative trump supporting accounts there's been people just recently youtube took down a video with the governor of florida who held a round table with some of the the scientists involved with the great barrington declaration YouTube took that down, said it's misinformation. These are well accredited people and a sitting credentialed and a sitting governor. Like th- these aren't fringe lunatics. Now you might not agree with what they say, but to censor that is reprehensible. Now, of course, YouTube is just a tool of the oligarchy and and it's uh you know it's mm-hmm. it's 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 gone from you know their slogan used to be broadcast yourself now it's broadcast the oligarchy because yeah. if you do a search do a search for anything kind of current eventy current eventish <laughs> and it's all mainstream news nbc cnn it's all just that's going to be your top search results whereas it used to be you could find individuals even like non-news related stuff do a search for a movie review or a game a video game review you're going to get the accredited media first before you get the individual channels it's because that's what youtube wants you to see they want you to see the approved information and so okay internet shut down right now the internet is being shut down in ways or people are being shut out from the internet. Right. The, the next step, face, Facebook is not the internet. YouTube is not the internet. That's the problem here. Is right. We we have, and I grew up with the internet, you know, professionally, and and you know, I know you understand it uh, intimately as well, coming from the same era. You can set up a website. You can email. There's all kinds of things you can do, and some of that gets clunky because of the way the big corporations have gotten involved, but. Right now, as long as the networks persist, meaning your internet service provider and whatever, you can chat, you can do all kinds of stuff, and, and we can create other networks. And yeah, they're going to attack them, but when, when their lies become so absurd that... Uh, remember, remember, these people have Google Analytics. This is, this is my argument for why um, Trump was compatible with their program. Because they've had Google Analytics going, which is which has uh, been track and and all the ad stats and stuff. These companies, the, these wealthy interests, own these companies, and they understand the data and have been doing this since t- 2005, six is when they started. Uh, you know, the, if you remember the history of the internet, it was huge right around uh, the year 2000. But then the technology was getting better and better and better to where uh, website creators could could take free free software it wasn't even software they'd take a, a link or they'd take a they'd create an account with uh my, it used to be called my computer which was purchased by omniture which uh or which became omniture which was purchased by adobe which is uh you know got a big presence here in utah 
they this this statistical analysis stuff was growing up in the in the two thousands, and then what do we call that? The zeros. You got the tens, the aughts. The aughts yeah, um, it's funny we're living through that. The uh, th- this uh, these information gathering mechanisms were growing up, were being created in that period, and then it, once you got to about two thousand ten, consolidation started to occur. Uh, people were selling you know, right around there. The housing crisis, there was a big shift in, in finance and whatnot. But in that period, 2005 to 2017-ish, 18, there was, this, there was a bunch of shifting and selling of companies and, and selling of technologies and, and consolidation and Google gobbled up a bunch of stuff and Adobe gobbled up a bunch of stuff. And so the analytics business is, uh, is not talked about very much, but it's huge, huge business. And they knew what America was was thinking by what they're looking at and purchasing. And they've known that uh, for a long time. And so when the 2016 election hit, it, this was a, there was a wrangling going on behind the scenes to make sure that Ron Paul was not part of the discussion. It was very important that, uh, that Ron Paul was out and Rand was, was de- uh, so Ron Paul didn't run in 2016. Rand Paul, his son did, but he ran in 2012 and he was just frankly, just, ignored that's how they that's how they got rid of ron paul they just straight up ignored him you you would even see news reports where they were reporting the caucus or the uh the primary results and they'd be like okay in iowa and i'm getting this wrong but it'd be like in iowa we had huckabee first romney third and somebody else fourth and it's like well who is number two (laughs) you know or, or whatever he they just that's that's how you know you've uh You've really caught the attention of the oligarchy and that, that they want to get rid of you is they, they will first ignore you and then they will kill you if you don't go away. That, that is not what they did with Donald Trump. And a lot of people say, well, they couldn't, they couldn't ignore Donald Trump because he's such a savvy media, whatever. No, that's no. They were able to ignore Ron Paul and the entire movement it was a huge movement, right, Bobby? I mean, it, like tons and tons of people were getting behind Ron Paul. And the reason for that is because you had this, this uh, growing awakening amongst the, uh, you know, I'd say the 30 to 40-year-olds, people our age, that if we, didn't, if we didn't get a good guy in there, we'd continue the warfare welfare state. Let me say that again. Warfare welfare state. And we needed to get out of it. We were realizing it was a bad idea to go into Iraq. We were realizing that 9-11 was a controlled demolition. Whether you believe it is an inside job or not, it's pretty clear that those airplanes, the two of them, did not bring down three skyscrapers. The, we, we were starting to realize this stuff. And why? Because we had the freedom of information, the, uh, the, the freedom of discourse, uh, intercourse, all of the stuff going on on the Internet during the period of 2000, 2005 to, to about 2017, 2018-ish. Because I bring, I, I'm drawing the line at 2017, 2018, because that's when we started to see the, 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 the beginnings of the deplatforming. Uh, businesses like Facebook, Google, YouTube, Apple behaved in a cartel-style manner to deplatform, deplatform first the Gab uh, social network guys, and then people like Alex Jones, Infowars, and then they 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 kind of slowly got that ball rolling. And then when we when we get to the January 6, thousand one or two thousand twenty one episode where the Capitol riot occurs, then they then it's like, 
all bets are off. We can we can deplatform whoever we want. Well, I think be, it was because, even before that. Because I think terrorism in the summer leading up to the election, yeah, the but, summer of twenty twenty, there was a lot of deplatforming. There was a ton, but, but 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 all. But right, that kind of opened the floodgates. It's not all bets are off. What's the idiom I'm looking for? It's. Uh, no holds barred. Sure. No holds barred. Which there's, is a wrestling uh, reference. Yeah. And okay, explain that to our, our listeners. Well, as far as I understand <laughs> it, in, in wrestling, there are certain holds. Yeah. Wrestling or like UFC, uh, MMA. Or eye gouges. Right. And so no holds barred, meaning that no type of hold is banned or against the rules. So anything goes. It's essentially ultimate fighting. Well, so, there's rules in ultimate fighting. Well, there used to not be with the... I think there's always been some rules like the eye gouge and you can't crotch shot and but there's still you know MMA Okay, so you're right. MMA is mixed martial arts and the UFC is a league within the MMA genre. Okay. Um and there's rules there's rules within so if you're a jiu-jitsu specialist you still have to follow those rules and that's it's a brutal sport. Oh yeah, it's visceral, I was watching the other day visceral. and if you have one of the later rounds or the later fights you know, on the card, that means that you're probably a pretty good fighter. You might even be behind the paywall, but that also means you're going to go and fight on the, in the octagon, uh, that's now stained and covered in other fighters blood. But Hey, the, the, the trainers have masks on, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, what, what I was getting at, let me, let me get, let me unwind this tangent. The point is that they knew that America was already uh, was interested in populism. Was was the Barack Obama the Barack Obama election was evidence that America was tired of the oligarchy. The problem is they didn't realize because they don't not a, a sufficient amount of the population was not awakened to recognize that. Uh, Obama was just a, a rebranded, a, a Clinton well, it, tire. It would retreaded. be interesting to know exactly when Obama was assimilated because his kind of rise to popularity, if I'm getting my timelines right, was the 2004 DNC, the Democrat National Convention. He gave he, a speech. He yeah. gave an anti-war speech, anti-Iraq war, which, which he continued for uh, his entire presidency. <laughs> By you, the way. You mean, by the way, you mean continued to bomb Iraq during I mean, his entire presidency? I can continued to expand the war in Iraq yeah, the but, entire time. But his speech was an anti-war. I'm just saying, <laughs> and that kind of rose him to prominence. Now, whether that was designed or not would be an interesting. Which we're still there, by the way. We're still there. But, well, right. We okay. can't leave because then extremists would take over. World War II lasted five years, folks. We're this still- is. We're all twenty year. You, you, there, there's a historical war in Europe. They call the Hundred Year War. We're this is. I think there was like a competitive bet amongst the oligarchy. They're like, we want to get a one hundred and one year war. So let's go. Two thousand one. Well, this is a good segue because the government needs wars, and in order to have wars, you have to have enemies. So you have a war on terror. Therefore, you need terrorists. And it's pretty well documented, the United States' involvement in creating terrorists. Yes. You need a war on poverty. You need poor people. Again. (laughs) I didn't think of that one. (laughs) The the United States has done a great job of creating poor poor people. people. War on drugs. You need drugs. Uh, War on virus. You need a virus. You need a virus. War on... (laughs) War on... the specter of a a virus. A war on racism. You got to have racism. 
yeah. a war on misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories, and lies. You get the point. Yeah. They create these things. They create these problems. And have you ever noticed that the, the supposed great global problems, now I'm waving my arms around, <laughs> the great global problems like climate change and terrorism and poverty and hunger and disease, the solutions to these, to these problems is always government, government, government. And more and more and more and more spending, 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 power, power, power. And yet the problems are never solved. The problems simply grow. Right. They get worse. Is, is for example, is, is the family amongst black people more or less nuclear than it was in 1950? The answer is less. Okay. But since then, we've had this war on poverty, which for some reason they have targeted blacks in, in that war. They're eugenicists. These people, the, the thing is, if you're a Black Lives Matter person, like we got to find the link about the, the Black Lives Matter activist who just purchased a... Another expensive a, home. A, yeah, a second or third home in, an, in a white neighborhood. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a sh this is a charade. I mean... I have two I have two titles for books. If I was going to write a book about 2020, the titles of the books would either be number 1 perverse incentives. That's obvious. Or number 2 charade. <laughs> Charades, right. you know, I don't know. But if 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 I don't think we need to go down too deep down that that path right now, but if you're interested in the way the government has destroyed the black family, look up the work of Thomas Sowell. He is an economist, a sociologist, Interesting guy. He was uh, he grew up in New York City as a Marxist and, you know, like most young college students are. And then he kind of came around and realized this is ridiculous. And now he's I wouldn't even call him conservative. He's a classical liberal. That's a term that's been lost. Classical yeah. liberal. A Jeffersonian. Um, but he's done tremendous work on on the black family. He's a black man. And he saw this stuff going on around him. He's a really articulate, interesting guy. He's getting old, and it's going to be a sad day when he, when he goes. But he's already being erased. It's harder and harder to find his original work. So if you can find those, do that. And this kind of is, relates to the internet being shut down. If you have stuff out there, if you have a photo album out on Google, download it to your own hard drives. Right. If it you have stuff you want to keep that you want to preserve that is out there in the cloud, put those on your own hard drives. Hard drives are cheap now. Get them locally. Right. Find print books. Find printed old versions of print books. Save those. Buy them up. We are, we are in five or ten years, we may not have access to classical literature. I'm glad you put that time frame on it because look at, look at what's happened in the last 10 years. That's what I was getting at. Obama, the election of Obama in 2008 was anti-establishment. But then, then we realized, people realized he's just doing the same damn thing. And so then the 2012 election, they maneuvered us into Mitt Romney by di disappearing. <laughs> uh, it, was a, it was like a, a virtual kidnapping of Ron Paul we got to get him out of the out of the picture. So and so you get this other status, this this uh, elitist well, you oligarchy. Had, you had McCain in two thousand eight, who was as establishment as they get. Yeah, and then and then uh, and I didn't realize I was voting in the false 
left right paradigm at that point in time. So sure. I, I was I like voted for for McCain, thinking oh blah blah blah. That got me all activated, and then I started to realize what what yeah, kind our, of game our timelines are kind of similar on this. Yeah, what kind of game we were playing, and so I voted for Ron Paul in 2012, and then I didn't vote after that because I realized um, the elections are rigged. Which is an interesting side side note. I know you were, you're trying to stay on topic, and I'm trying to sidetrack us. But Utah has a total connection to the vote fraud thing. Mm-hmm. In 2006, a guy named Bruce Funk was the county commissioner in Emory County. He was 23 year elected official. He gets the Diebold voting machines flown in because Utah buys all the machines and everything. And he starts to look at them, and he realizes that they've got pre-installed software that they shouldn't have on the cards. So he gets a third party to come in and audit them, a company called Black Box Voting that comes in and looks at this stuff. They analyze it, and they realize that they're, they're intentionally set up with riddled with errors and back doors so they can be manipulated. Well, he brings this to the attention of the, the media and the authorities, and the media didn't, didn't publish the story. This is 2006. Remember, the Diebold voting machines were a product of the 2000 election with the hanging chads and Al Gore. Mm-hmm. And as an information security specialist, I can say unequivocally, paper elections are far more secure, even though they're easily manipulable. Uh, we should, there's no way, shape, or form. Any, there's no reason anybody should think that we, we should be doing any electronic voting because that is way more easy to ma- manipulate. Why are you racist? I know. <laughs> I, I'm not racist. I'm realist. realist. You know what's funny? It's, a, it's an R word, but it's a different R word. I'm a realist. MLB moved that all-star game from Atlanta to Denver. Colorado has voter ID laws. I know. It's hu- huge hypocrisy. It's also really absurd to think that a minority is too stupid to get an ID. There's a lot, of, there's it, a lot on that one. But of course, Joe Biden, before the election, said that black people can't figure out the internet. <laughs> and these are the people that they're telling you that if you're black, you're supposed to you're supposed to love them. Or if you vote, there, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. There was a huge sh- there's a, there's a huge shift going on amongst the minorities, uh, the the Hispanics, the blacks, and the Asians because they're not bi- they're not stupid. These people are some of the most intelligent people out there, and they right, are not. Of course, they are. They are not buying what those people are trying to sell them. And anyway, the the voting the voting stuff. I met Bruce Funk personally in 2013. And he was run out. Of, by the way, this is what happened to him. Uh, he brings it to light in Utah. The media did not want to tell the story. And the lieutenant governor's office, by, by the way, who was the lieutenant governor in 2006? Spencer J. Cox. No, it was Gary Herbert. Oh, in 2006? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I thought you were saying 2013. It's Cox. Trick question, Bobby's favorite governor is I missed I, I was Cox. answering before I heard I was answering before I let yeah. you finish. Yeah. Uh two thousand six the governor was was the governor still Levitt, Michael Levitt? The governor was Huntsman and oh, Huntsman, Gary, that's right. Gary Herbert was the lieutenant governor and lieutenant governor's office in Utah is in charge of elections. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the next day okay, this is crazy because the next this is the twenty three year elected county uh recorder for Emory County. Which in Utah. Emory County is a rural County, little tiny county. The, these these guys don't have a lot of money. He probably didn't make very much money as recorder. So what what happens next is going to make sense. The very next day, they locked him out of his office. He found that they had placed a resignation letter on the county commissioners' desks. They'd locked him out of his office. They'd taken all the voting machines. They charged Diebold charged the state of Utah something like a hundred thousand dollars to fix the air the the 
whatever problems the, the third-party auditors had caused. And the lieutenant governor's office colluded with Diebold, came down and had closed-door meetings with the county commissioners, and they basically made, made Bruce Funk resign. And he, his, he was only, he, this is an elected official. He, he, the media would not pick it up. Nobody would tell the story, and his only recourse was to fight them in the courts with his limited funds as a, as a, public, a true public servant. And so, uh, so he, he came and spoke to a group of people that I helped organize several years later, and I realized, you know, that through a it's it's hard to break out of the break out of the um the baggage that we have and i i'm not saying you guys out there shouldn't vote but i personally realized that for me it wasn't the right thing number one i didn't want to participate in a rigged system and number two there's this idea that well you voted you need to go along with the outcome as opposed to the idea that natural rights p- should protect me that the, the rights of the minority doesn't matter what you vote the rights of the minority should be protected i'm putting my hands out in a, in like a big he's protecting like I'm protecting himself. myself from bobby here but uh <laughs> it's funny how we're given the play by play on the uh, hand motions <laughs> but uh but yeah so so i didn't vote in the 2016 election and that gives me a great um you know, credibility card to throw down on the table whenever I'm talking to a neoliberal that's like, oh, you're a Trumper. No, I've never voted for Trump. And the the reason, the main reason I didn't vote for Trump was because I realized they were going to put him in. They had maneuvered the country into a position where the only guy the Republicans could vote for was Trump. And and the absolute worst candidate in the history of, of candidates, we know this because Joe Biden wasn't the worst candidate. It was Hillary Clinton who was running against Donald Trump and and she you know they maneuvered the country into this and and via the Trump episode they they were able to destroy all decorum and any sense of of uh rationality or or um compromise and 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 rational thinking in politics and media via the Donald Trump Trump episode and so anyway we've talked about this before but that that history is super important because it brings us right to where we are today which is when when we all have abandoned facebook and youtube and they when they they have the analytics they're they're no, they know the reason they're talking about it now is cuz they know it's already happened the reason trump was elected is cuz they knew that it wasn't there was no way they could force to hillary clinton upon the public they already knew that with the obama election that people were up in arms and so they they've been they've been trying to quell a a mass awakening for many many years and so they can't they can't stop it they're going to ride it or they're, they're going to they're going to have to do something to distract from it or or try and divert its attention and so they've been able to successfully divert a lot of the attention here in 2020 with the coronavirus episode however as you pointed out and we have a, an episode on this called team reality there's emerging now in the twitter twitter sphere the tweetosphere this is where the Twitter mob both are accepted. The tw- this is where the Twitter mob lives. Lives. Um, there's this uh, idea, and 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 there. I guess what we we should call what you're doing on Twitter Twitter patriotism, or or you're a Twitter vigilante, or a a Twitter I would, resistance. I would call it useless. Okay. <laughs> because they're, they're that good at keeping you from getting. Well, any, I just don't have play. an audience, and and I could. I'm I'm, I'm not going to bother promoting it here either. But it's. Um, there are there are people doing really good work on Twitter. 
with larger audiences that from the very beginning have been speaking common sense. Now, most of my the the most of my Twitter activity is centered on the coronavirus stuff. The the reason I started doing it was because I I thought somebody needs to be harassing Spencer, Spencer Cox. Cox and Angela Dunn <laughs> and Gary Herbert. What does the J stand for? I don't even Jehoshaphat? care. Jehoshaphat. I don't even care. Jeremiah Johnson. He um. <clears throat> Well, I was going to share a little story about him, but I'm not going to. You don't want a tangent? But I do want to say that we here in this great state of Utah tend to think that our elected officials, because they belong to a certain religion, are honest. Our We have scandals and controversy here right under our noses that we are unwilling to see. And you just brought one up there with the voting machines. And we were one of the first states to adopt voting machines uh, quite a long time ago when they were still... You know, emerging, in 2006. emerging technologies. In 2006. But we have, we have corruption right under our very noses, even in small, peaceful, sleepy little towns. Keep an eye on these county commissioners. They're, they're, uh, they're devious. But, but that's all I'll say on that well, for now. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to disclose the unnamed location from which we are recording. But yeah. It, <laughs> Having been involved in local politics, I think it is important that Bobby disabuse you of the idea that somehow corruption does not live in your city or your county or in your school board. Uh, it is everywhere. It is like a cancer, and it has almost killed the host. That's the that's the thing. That's that's a good segue. I don't know if you want to say anything else on that, but what, I'm going to segue back to where we were, which is that. Um, the, cor- the 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 internet is going to be shut down. Why do we know this? So, it, it not not shut down, but controlled. It, okay, so yeah, it could be I totally. Think, it could be totally they, shut down. I think there could be a short period of time where it is almost completely shut down. Like they shut down the economy last year, they'll let us continue to access CNN and Amazon uh-huh. and other other essential websites. But things like social but media. Maybe- Maybe for like Your a few days, there might be like a week where there's there's no internet or something. I could see that happening. But but also, there coupled with this will be a banking shutdown, maybe at the same time or close by. But the reason we can be so confident in this is because of coronavirus. The tying it back to what we were saying about the public awakening is that they have to divert your attention. They have to do this now because it, otherwise they're going to lose their influence if if they let people wake up enough and if they let enough uh, non-oligarchy, non-status people get traction, then they will actually take the legislatures back and start to make legal change that will be meaningful. But they can't do that. They can't allow it to get to that point. And so they're right now you're seeing, in, in, especially in the, in the Midwestern and Western states, you're seeing ty- the type of legislation on the table, at least like to, um, you're not seeing it in U- you see it, saw a little bit in Utah, but I read an article about Montana the other day that the governor, there's a newly elected uh, Republican governor there to replace a Democrat. And he's suggested that they're, they're not quite ready to, do away with all of the restrictions. He's, of course, playing... I don't know if he's playing the game or if he really believes it or whatever, until they get some some legislation in place to re- remove liability for businesses and uh, health providers. And and so I, I think that that would be appropriate to pass statutory legisl- legislation that encodes in statute 
the idea that we are not liable for the spread of seasonal or any disease, really. And we, we've held that in English common law forever. But, right. But if we've codified it, then, then there would be no reason for a business to have to require it's, a mask. Right now, they're all scared of litigation. It's insane that we've gone from... We've gone, we've gone in the, in the, in this course of a year, we've gone from, oh, I don't want to get sick to nobody in the world can get sick. And if they do, somebody needs to go to jail for it. Yeah. Like, that's absurd. Uh, that's criminal insanity. We have people, again, I'm on, I'm on Twitter and I'm, I'm the first one to say that Twitter is fake. It's not, but, but some of it isn't, some of it is real. And there's real people out there among us, among us in our own communities who think that if you go to the grocery store without a mask, that you should be put in jail for putting other people in danger. A prominent Utah theological leader even said, nobody has the right to spread a deadly virus. Well, nobody's making the argument that anyone does have that right, nor is, have, we ever, have we ever talked about disease in this terminology, that somebody is maliciously spreading the disease just simply by existing. That's never, it's never been talked about that. In, like in that, that way, until yeah. now, and it's insane that 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 idea is 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 taking hold among uh, mainstream and and sort of common common discussions. Yeah, and that's evidence. the The coronavirus episode is evidence that this is going to happen. So we're we're saying right here today, buckle your seatbelts. This is sort of a prediction episode. We're seeing it emerging in the dis- discussion. Banking shutdown. Uh, internet shutdown, and the the things we've seen in the last year demonstrate that it absolutely will happen. The stage because, is set. Yeah, the stage is set, and they they are losing um, they're losing influence. So they they need the to do point, that. The they, point they I they think have that, to do that. that I, I think well, I, really quickly, just, I've got a, an article <clears throat> here, here, and hold hold that point. The, this other article I'm going to post is. Uh, off of Zero Hedge, I found it. It says, um, let's see, it was a, a Securities Exchange Commission commissioner. So this is a high-level SEC federal government official, Hester Pierce. She says, some people call her the crypto mom because she's Bitcoin friendly. She says, you would have to shut down the internet to ban Bitcoin. Well, they will absolutely do that. What she's saying is they... you have to shut down the internet to, <laughs> to ban, ban Bitcoin. Bitcoin. She's, she's uh, on the surface, she's friendly to these cryptocurrencies, but the a free cryptocurrency is not what they intend to have. Uh, they, they do not intend to allow you to get away with circumventing their system, their main system of control, which is the monetary system. And that's why all the businesses and the commerce is so uh, necessary. That's the, that's the point of attack. That's, the, that's where the, the point of attack occurs relative to all the coronavirus restrictions is, is at the commercial level. We're at this point in time that reminds me of the scene in Forrest Gump when Forrest Gump has come home from the war and he's he finds himself in front of a massive crowd on the National Mall and, and they ask him to speak. Oh, it's an anti-war protest, right? Yeah. And he's in full uniform. And you remember Forrest Gump never is quite aware of what's going on in the world around him. He's just this sort of childlike, innocent uh, bystander almost. But 
to 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 he, he ends Unin- up involved unintentionally uh, influences. Uh, did you like the show? I thought it was great. I love it. Okay, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, but but he he the, it's a way for them to tell a nostalgic story and involve him in all kinds of historical right. events and run through the fifties, sixties, seventies, and eighties and and there's certainly you know propaganda involved but oh, yeah. I, I liked it but he stands up in it's front a of this feel good one he stands up in front of this crowd and the the he starts to speak about vietnam and he says and they want him to get angry they want him to well yeah and he starts talking but as soon as he starts talking a high-ranking military official yanks all the the oh yeah communications <laughs> cables the mics the power he he shuts it all down he he shuts down the the ability to for him to broadcast his voice across the whole national mall there and then they finally get it fixed right as they get it fixed and you know he says and that's all i have to say about that (laughs) so you miss all the you miss what he had to say that's where we're at because there is an awakening that has been happening there that's undeniable people are scratching their heads it's you know our musical theme from last week we have a lot of people who are experiencing things that make you go, hmm, hmm, yeah. hmm. So <laughs> Sing that again. Keep going. <laughs> no, I'm done with that. So there is an awakening happening. And to quell that, okay, how do you stop that? Well, one, you isolate people. You don't let people gather in churches and in pubs and in restaurants. You also shut down the voices on the internet that these people might be listening to. You also then, when that doesn't work, you discredit the people that they might be listening to Mm -hmm. as conspiracy theorists, as quacks, as uh, voodoo practitioners, as whatever. If that doesn't work and it's still not working, what do you do? Well, then you panic and you unplug everything. And I think we're going to see that. Yeah, and I liked you. You put on you kind of threw out a timeline there, five to ten years. I think that's appropriate. Although it might, maybe it'll come sooner. I don't, I, don't, know that, I don't know that it's going to come in the next year, but I, I, I wanted to say I was, uh, there are some friends that are listening to this that I, I passed around a, a paper to, and I, I focused my attention on the Trump election, thinking that there would be more significant, more of a significant shift, potentially. It, was, it wasn't like I made a prediction, but I, I wanted to throw that out there as a possibility because the coronavirus episode and all of the reaction to it was so significant and, and, and they were so able to accomplish the, the public went along with it in such a way that I, I was wondering if the the attention on the Black Lives Matter stuff and the rioting and then the the Trump election that they would that they would reinstall Trump or keep him in and then try and melt the country into this civil uh, and blame un- unrest, blame him and then the Black Lives Matter and cause a race war. So so I passed around a paper on that. And I think that the paper still stands on its own merits. It, the, it was like I said, it wasn't a prediction, but it, it did focus on the election and that's passed. But it doesn't mean that the same concepts don't apply. And so what I'm what I'm seeing here is something I should have known anyway. And that is that these guys really are willing to play the long game. And they're, we, they're in their own words. The World Economic Forum and then also all the other think tanks, World Health Organization, everybody's focused on a reset for 2030. They're they're looking at a decade-long um, deal here. I do think that in a cosmic sense, and this I hope I hope you don't don't take this in the wrong way, but there there is an eclipse pattern that occurred 
or that has that we're in right now uh, relative to the United States of America. The the sun is traditionally a symbol of light, and when the sun is eclipsed, that's a bad omen. Where, did you go out and uh, experience the eclipse in 2017? Yeah, I got some really good. Uh, oh, we should fo- compare photos of it. Compare pictures. Where'd you go? I was just uh, <clears throat> here locally. Oh, okay. Well, we went up to. Uh, Idaho, where we, where we were in the direct path, and it was so surreal. It was amazing. I, uh, I have some video of it you might might like to see. I mean, the birds, it's just like everything they say. The, the birds all think it's getting dark, so they all start mm-hmm. flying around and nesting and doing strange things, and uh, everybody just, you know, the, the, the people are, oh, holy cow, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's this cool. amazing, this amazing thing. And so, uh, anyway, that's a bad omen. It's, it was fun, but that's that's traditionally a bad omen when the when the light is eclipsed, and the pattern of the the eclipse went from the southeast to the northwest of the United States. Well, now six years and six point six six years later, and I'm not I don't take a lot of stock in the six 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 there, but it is interesting that it's six and two thirds years later, we're going to see another eclipse pattern that makes an X across america that's in 2024 and so you have you have within a a year of seven or or in a period of seven years you have uh uh an eclipses crisscrossing the united states of america and they roughly uh meet in about missouri about the center of the country so it's really interesting i i do think that is a sign of the heavens uh like we've talked about before i also think the sign of the uh, earthquake that yanks the uh, trumpet out of the angel's mouth is, is really quite uh, a cosmic uh, sign. You know, it's, it's it's quite significant. It's not it, it's not just happenstance. Uh, like the idea that the cold snap in um, Texas caused uh, their clean energy to shut down. That that God God has a way of demonstrating how stupid mankind is in general and making us eat our words uh the the for example the apostate jews the pharisaical jews had modified their temple rituals in such a way that it's it's still pointed to to a sacrifice but it, it was it was modified uh dramatically and changed dramatically from the first temple period but jesus still came and fulfilled all of their little all of the symbols and demonstrated that he was the fulfillment of all of that. And then the veil of the temple was rent and all this stuff happens. He, he, get, he resurrects and everything. But anyway, God has a way of making people eat their words and demonstrating the hubris of mankind. And he, hubris is an interesting concept. It goes back to Greek mythology. And the, the humans, the, the ones that get in trouble tend to demonstrate this hubris. They tend to say, we're better than the gods. We can take care of all this all of ourselves on our, on our own and stuff. And so I, I do put stock in, in uh, this uh, mystical symbolism, but not necessarily in the way that you would read on the internet. It's a little bit different. I don't, I don't think we should get involved in every, you know, every wind of doctrine, so to speak. But the, the eclipse one is, I think that's a significant thing. And it, it's in 2024 that that second eclipse occurs over America. We may, and, and we're seeing in not so many years, since around 2017, you get two different administrations, both the, the right and the left, destroying, tearing at the fabric of America, which is our souls, our ethos. It's, you know, it's not just, it, it is the economy, but not the economy in the financial way. It's the economy in the way that you... 
instructed us a couple of weeks we're, ago. It's we, the people. That's us. We're the economy. We're the economy. And so, so I think, uh, you know, I don't know what the time frame is, but but these guys have have uh, overtly put out their a ten year time frame, and I, I don't think they're going to get it all accomplished. I think that what's going to happen is it's going to cause the breakdown. And it'll be regional, and it'll be nuanced, and it, you know some places will be worse than others. And so we have a chance here, and we're not going to get, we're going to have to wrap up here pretty quick. But uh, one thing I, we've been talking about is what makes a good society, and what what can we do to be more independent is the the uh, extension of that that goes along with an internet shutdown or a banking shutdown, uh, commercial restrictions for people who aren't vaccinated are, are big in the media right now. And the, the reason they're in the media is because the oligarchy's pushing it. It's not because the regular people are thinking that, but the oligarchy's trying to, trying to foist this mind virus into the minds of everybody that, oh yeah, somehow we need to have, have these restrictions. We've, we've literally seen in the last week an episode where, um, what was the name of the island? There's a volcano going off on... Somewhere in the Caribbean. Yeah, it's in the Caribbean. It's um, Saint Clementine or something. Saint Vincent. Saint Vincent. Saint Vincent is a is a little volcanic island there in the Caribbean, and they have a, an active volcano. It goes off every thirty, forty years. Anyway, it's spewing a bunch of ash right now, and literally CBS was almost celebrating the when you hear the the news anchor talk about this. We'll link to the to the video celebrating the idea that the cruise ships were only evacuating vaccinated people. The morality of that is, or the lack of morality there is, is astounding. I mean, all the great stories about rescues are about heroes sacrificing themselves for others. And we're talking about a virus that kills less than, you know, a quarter of a person per thousand people, arguably, even if all the government stuff is correct. And, the, and they're, they're promoting this idea that it's, that it's appropriate, that the cruise ships are only taking the vaccinated individuals away from the island. That, I, I'm speechless there. The, 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 the dystopic intensity of that is there's a astounding. Sein, there's a Seinfeld episode where uh, George is at a birthday party and there's a fire in the apartment or in the kitchen and mm-hmm. he... He tramples uh, an older woman and a child to get out to save himself, and that's typical and, of George. And, yeah, that's that's it's George. Great. That's typical George. And of course, he's lampooned and criticized for it. And but it's hilarious, right? It, yeah, and, it, and, and it's done in a in a fun, comical way. But that kind of behavior is being celebrated now as virtuous. Claw your way to the front, save yourself. You know, you have you have young, healthy people who are essentially budding in line for these vaccines now and whether the vaccines are effective and safe or not is beside the point but you have you have young healthy people who are at very low risk who have who have prioritized themselves through their political clout i'm speaking specifically of teachers unions even right here in the state of utah the uea owns this state keep that in mind locals you know, the, the and state, they've yeah. they've they've prioritized themselves over the people, the only group of people that this virus presents a, a substantial threat to, and that's older, already sick people. Of course, the virus or the vaccines weren't tested 
on older sick people. They were tested on young, healthy people. And they were not tested on children, and yet now we're being told that kids need to be vaccinated as well. Right. We're, we, we, Bobby and I have been super, uh, what's the word? We have shown a great deal of, re- of restraint not spending every waking moment talking about all of the the lies and disinformation and uh, contradictions and cognitive dissonances relative to the vaccine. And, and I mean, we're lightly touching on the coronavirus issue. That's why I, I, I feel really confident in make, I don't want to call it a prediction, but I believe that they are going to try to shut down the internet because look at what they did with coronavirus. They're going to, they're going to try to take greater control of it. Their, their intention, they'll call it a cyber attack and their intention is to try and make it. So you have to have an internet license to drive on the internet superhighway. You know, you have to, Bobby has to uh, use a thumbprint scanner or something to prove that he can access all this information. It's horrifically Orwellian. It's horrifically stupid. Um, and unnecessary, but they will, they will try to, uh, and they probably, they, they, okay, Bill Gates, okay. Remember, he, he's a philanthropist. But remember, he's in the news right now because of the vaccine stuff, but never forget that he probably owns the company that runs your computer. Although in Apple people's cases, that's, that's not the case, but they've got already built in the mechanisms to turn it off. They probably just have like a, a on-off type of a thing and they'll shut it down and then the then the the whole thing you know the well, little he, the little laughing skull comes he, on your screen and, he's and got, your computer melts he's got controlling interest in way too many things and he's re- again he's talking about darkening the sky i'm just saying all the all the pieces are already in place for them to right. do it they do, they could probably do it tomorrow you're talking about though you know the 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 Eclipse being a bad omen, he wants to. He literally <laughs> wants to fill the sky up with particles that would dim the sun. That would that would be catastrophic on so many levels, and yet people act like that's a legitimate, good idea that should be considered. That that's something that we should study and maybe the, even yeah, try. Yeah, but the people that are acting like that, I think. I mean, there are there are these things you see in the media that they're they're sort of put out there as good ideas, and I think that. They fail so many times on, well, on getting, and I think, getting any traction with the public. I think Bill Gates is sort of, um, he's presented to us almost as a canary in the coal mine type. Like to see, he presents all this insanity and the people watching are seeing what sticks. They're kind of like asking, how far has the Overton window moved? Right. We, we, we brought up the Overton window here on the program. I think we have, yeah. It's the idea that there's a range of acceptable possibilities that the policymakers or the governments can, the statists, can actually get accomplished because of where the public mind is at. I think so, um, so they have to judge that the, in a certain uh, way. The uh, representative from New York, what's her name? Uh, AOC, Alexandra Ocasio Cortez. Is that is that her Never full heard name? Of her. Never heard of her. You've heard of her. <laughs> I think she is one of two things. One, she's a right-wing operative that infiltrated the the Democrat Party. I'm raising my eyebrows right now. And just acts like a crazy person to discredit <laughs> to bring the them DNC. Down. <laughs> now that's, that's an, a possibility. That's an unlikely that, that's possibility. A possibility. But the other thing is I think she's another one of these kind of Overton window types cuz she she gets out there and floats some some really off the wall bizarre really far left stuff and i think it's all a matter of what what do what will she's helping to move that overton window 
it's like, oh, well, we're not going all the way to AOC and her little, she has a little group. So it's group. okay. Yeah, we didn't go that, that far. She has a group. What do they call themselves? The These, squad. The squad, right. See, you've heard of them. Oh, and you know the squad. They do. They 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 promote these things, and then everyone says that's way too far. Let's go back here to to their centrist Nancy let's, Pelosi. Let's do thirty percent of what they want. Right, and that's how the Overton window moves. And, yeah, and we're 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 witnessing that, and it's moving quickly. Well, they're banking on us acting like beasts, and I think we're going to have to save. Uh, you know what what can we do to be more independent? Because they're. Th- What's well, not happening? People uh, look, aren't acting like beasts. Yeah, th- that's why they're going to have to do it. Don't don't believe me. Go do do your own investigation. Talk to God, and I, I mean God, not the internet, not Google. Ask Google, but then go talk to God, <laughs> and <laughs> and figure out what you think what you think is happening here. But I think the 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 current events, the past the past year, has demonstrated they're willing to do it. They're they're going to do it. They're willing to take society and just completely wreck it. And there will it, it's. I don't think that it ends up in an I am legend slash war of the worlds type of a total pandemonium everywhere. But I think it regionally you can you can see that happening. Like the the George Floyd uh, ver, uh, murder verdict, Derek Chauvin trial. Right. That's that's yeah, going to be coming day, up pretty soon. Day eleven or twelve or so of that. Yeah. Trial. Watch for that because they're. There's going to be lots of little. There have to be lots of little fires lit everywhere. This, I, I call it the carpet bombing, right? The carpet bombing of the American mind, and it leads to fires, l- literal fires, literal vandalism, uh, destruction, killing, whatever. That's that's got to get out of hand a little bit more. Uh, but the but the people acting like because there there are plenty of people that will act like beasts. Don't get me wrong, but I think that there are just as many good Americans and and world. Uh, people in in the world. I don't want to call them world citizens, but uh, global citizens. Glo- good global citizens. Good global citizens. Okay, I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I I am really showing a great deal of restraint here to not go off on that tangent. I believe that there there there's equal or similar numbers of people who want to be good and that who want to align with light, and they're going to try. They may not be well informed, but they're going to try, and that 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 it's that conflict. The the that conflict is what the oligarchy is going to use to try and shift us into a more controlled society. But they are welcoming that conflict, and they're creating yeah, we're that not gonna, conflict right now. I don't think we're going to see a I am legend type environment. I think what we'll see is a minor, um, a minority report or v for vendetta v for vendetta type situation where we where from a, from a distance. Life looks kind of normal, but when you, you get into the details, you realize that every little thing is controlled where we have to pass certain uh, parameters to to continue yeah. on with our lives, whether well, it's I, medical or I, I do agree that there's going to be a bad period. They have to have this that's crisis. That's what they want. I'm they, just saying that's what they want. They have to have the, the crisis. Report. They have to have a crisis to justify their actions. Right. And yeah. so. We've talked about how they've been trying to foment this right-wing extremism for a while now, and to to plant this idea. You know, by the way, it's uh, it's been three months since January six, and there's still been no follow-up insurrections by the white what, the, the right-wing extremists. So, take that for mm. what it's worth. Things that make you go, hmm. You do have a lot of uh, Black Lives Matter violence being being uh, things per- that make you go. Hmm. <laughs> well. <laughs> Prepare yourselves to live without the internet, which is, 
other than the financial aspect of it, which was going, it'll it'll instantly shutting down the internet will instantly plunge billions of people into chaos, po- poverty, and chaos. Because yeah. the money, the money system, business, commerce, everything is so tied up in it. Otherwise, I mean, we talked about this last week. We grew up without the internet. We were teenagers when the internet, you know, went mainstream. That wasn't a bad and life. And when it went mainstream, it, we, what he means is AOL. Right, yeah. <laughs> this is not... Right, we were in our 20s <laughs> when it was like, just, when it was really kind of normal to have an internet connection. But, yeah. Uh, it's not a bad way to live. Like, you're going to connect we, more. And I, I suggest doing this anyway. Connect more with the people around you, face-to-face. Yeah. Face. Get off of social media. It's destroying your brain. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I got. I went way down that... In the mid in the mid aughts, the mid aughts into the mid tens, you know th- that kind of rise of social media. And I tried some experiments. You know, he was an experimental user. W- with one, yeah, I inha- I, 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 never, I did not inhale. I I, I, I did inhale. inhale, but I haven't exhaled yet. One I with, did w- not have <laughs> sex with that Twitter. <laughs> with on Facebook, I decided I'm going to accept. Every friend request that comes my way, and I'm also and I'm also going to I'm going to request friends. I wanted to see if there was a point of diminishing returns, and I ended up with about a thousand friends quotes friends on Facebook. And this was still back in like 2009, 2010, 11. So that was quite a bit. And but again, if if you know, they would suggest friends. So if somebody was friends with Jordan and I was friends with Jordan on Facebook, it would say, hey, this guy also knows Jordan. And so I would request friend or I'd accept a friend request. The point of diminishing returns was right around 400 people. Mm. Af- larger than that, more than that, the network, the, the information on that network deteriorated. Mm. It went from being useful and relevant to not very quickly. And I also think this, it might have coincided with just the ramping up of just nonsense that was being pushed. And I have no idea if some of these people, some of these people might not have even been real people. This was before we kind of clued in that a lot of this is fake. So you were friends with like CIA uh, artificial intelligence. Um, I don't know. I might have been. Speaking of CIA, guess who's back in the news here locally? Um, okay. Do you want me to guess or are you going to tell me? Either way. <clears throat> I, I'm drawing a blank. Go. Evan McMullen. Oh, okay. I would have never guessed that, but he ran for president. Ran for president, tried to scuttle Trump. He has since um, created a never-Trump Republican-Democrat coalition coalition of never trumpers uh he he helped he's getting credit in the local press for helping to elect joe biden which i'm not sure if that's something you want on your resume (laughs) but he's making noises about getting back into politics this guy is an is an admitted cia operative and he's very much a statist he's as statist as you can get anyway he he was uh I found myself wondering whatever happened to him, and then you know a few weeks later he pops up on on the local mm. local news. Well, we we got to wrap up here. I uh, I would just throw out there the idea: think about what you do on the internet. Think about how tied in you are 
how you might take other actions. I think the first the first thing to do is to uh, prepare some uh, food and and supplies for a lengthy period of time. The if there's one thing that coronavirus proved it was that there will be runs on stores at the drop of a hat. Well, it's interesting that this this upcoming simulation for a cyber attack is going to target supply chains. That's the simulation is a supply chain attack, so which would uh, which would obviously uh, impact you know what shows up at the grocery store. Yeah. I I think we might be into a Ender's Game situation where these simulations aren't actually simulations. They're the real thing. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and the people involved may or may not know, you know, spoilers, like Ender, Ender thought he was playing a game when it was the actual war. Yeah, this is, we're all the Trumans in this movie. We're the, we are the actors in the movie and the movie is happening right now. We just don't know it. Uh, let Look, I've got a technical background. Uh, I know there's uh, some some of the guys listening to this show have a pretty technical background and maybe they'll want to chime in. But in my opinion, and I'm going to say in my expert opinion, it is absolutely 100 percent possible for them to do this. Our Internet traffic was supposed to be resilient. You know, it's this TCP IP transfer control protocol, Internet protocol invented by the Department of Defense, whatever. It was supposed to be the type of thing where your your packets can route all over the place and and you can take a few nodes going down and everything's going to work just fine and and that still is true however there are i was going to say millions the word is bazillion there are bazillions of people and bazillions of connections onto the internet and massive amounts of traffic trying to get through if you take down a few nodes or if you uh take out a few ISPs and and th- you're going to create massive traffic jams. You will not be able to use the internet. Uh, the cell si- the cell phone system also is an interesting interesting thing to talk about here because a lot of the traffic goes over the same telecommunications uh, infrastructure and and so there are there are these there are very large companies that manage the most significant big amounts of data. Uh, the 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 high bandwidth traffic the when I'm not I'm not saying it right these co- companies like AT and T Comcast you know the bi- the big names they handle the massive amounts of traffic and they are complicit in the scam they are owned by the oligarchy right you you don't even need a a, okay. a, a cyber attack when the ISPs all are just going along with oh it. that's they can the thing just they're going to call the switch it, they're going to call it a cyber attack. That, they right, called this. They gonna, called this a dangerous virus. Of course, they're, they're going to call it that. But when reality, it's just a guy in a uniform unplugging the the microphones. It and could the cables. To, it could totally be that. We you know it could be just like Forrest Gump. We don't know what, exactly how we end up on the other side of this. But but use your imagination, and, and we'll talk about this more. But but uh, yeah, th- they absolutely have the infrastructure in place, and it's not just the oligarchy, but the government through the emergency management system already has in the network's data centers the equipment in place, and I have heard from authoritative sources in the industry that, you know, uh, high-level people at these data center places, they're like, well, yeah, some guy from this, this ABC government agency came in, and they forced us to put this box here in between the 
the pipe coming in and then our, our routers, that's like, and we had to do it because of the law. They scared the hell out of me, whatever, you know, it's, it's little known, but they absolutely have the, the infrastructure in place. The government does. And then of course they're cooperating with these, these, uh, multinational corporations are cooperating with them. So, so from a technical standpoint, there is a lot that is possible. And I, I know people who, uh, work on these routers and people who, who deal with them logistically, you're going to, you're going to throw out the anchor on a few of these ideas. You're going to say, well, we could do this. We can't do this, but, but think of it. You absolutely can shut down the internet pretty quick. And it doesn't take very many nodes going down to really cause massive disruption. And, um, we, you, you guys that work on these systems know how sophisticated the routers are now and that they can filter traffic based on all kinds of parameters like IP address, domain. Uh, so they, they could, we could have a Chinese style firewall pretty quickly. It may be a little bit clunky, but you can see how we can get there. I'm talking to all you technical professionals out there. Feel free to like, comment, and subscribe, rebut, whatever you want to do. Uh, we love to hear your opinion. We're, we're grateful for the, uh, unfortunately, the feedback when, we get. Unfortunately, when it happens, no one will have access to this file, and no one, and so we, no one will ever know that we were right af after <laughs> the fact. All, all You listeners that are listening <laughs> will know. At that point, we will start the MindVirus newsletter, which we will type and print on paper and we'll and we send it via a horse a man on horseback yeah did you ever see the kevin costner movie the postman unfortunately <laughs> i've seen it too not what, his best work what, what was better Waterworld or the postman they were the same movie i know just with one was with dirt and mail and one was worth with water. water kevin costner had a really good run there and then he didn't those were important movies, but not they weren't for good, the reasons that sure they weren't good movies. Think. I think I said important, right? Maybe I'll have to go back and look at them now. Well, okay, that that could be a subject for another podcast. Uh, apocalyptic mm -hmm. dystopian movies. Well, there's the dystopian genre, which is like you, the society after the apocalypse. But then there's the apocalypse, like we're in it. Yeah, like the road. Yeah, and and postman. Yeah. Send us in. Well, send the, us the, comment on the comment on the website and tell think, us which ones you want to talk the, about. The Mad Max movies. Yeah, Mad are, Max. Are the, the latest one, the Fury Road. Is that what it's called? That is a crazy movie. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's nonstop. I haven't seen it yet. Is it's it, is a, it worth... it's a two-hour car chase. Okay, is it worth it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. Cool. Okay. My favorite is the guy with the guitar and the wall of speakers as the on the mounted on the truck. I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Well, we better wrap things up. Real life uh, calls, duty calls, duty calls. But uh, call of duty. Please uh, like, comment, subscribe, rebut, chime in. We appreciate you yeah, guys. Pa pass it along. Uh, we do appreciate your support. It, you know, I think I'd still enjoy these conversations. But yeah. knowing knowing that you're out there correcting our mistakes, sending us inf interesting information. Uh, enlightening and enlivening the conversation we'd love to see more of that for sure all right everybody this is uh, bobby flood and i am signing off have a great week